It's a strange world we're living in now. There's no one we can trust. The world is just full of lies. And going to be, the world's full of, as I say, godlessness. But going to be back to about the mid-16th century. In a court of law, witnesses believed that the spectre of God's vengeance alone was enough to coax witnesses into telling the whole truth. And later after that period, codified penalties for perjury were introduced. And as time has progressed over the centuries, swearing on the Bible in the court of law was used in Christian countries, just to show that there was a higher power to whom all things were answerable to. But again, as we draw near to the time of Christ's return, we see things have changed as more and more people begin to affirm rather than to swear on the Bible. So having the fear of God in the early centuries have changed and has disappeared practically from the courts and people tend to lie more rather and the fear of God no longer has an effect on what they say. And so the Bible has almost taken second place by more and more people making affirmations in fact, judges are making moves to swearing on the Bible unnecessary and replace it with people to affirm. And so I think it is a sign of the times that the world is becoming even more ungodly. For remember, when the courts of law were set up, they based them upon Bible principles. And so the fear of God has little effect in court as it did years ago. In fact, even the Bible is very rarely read today, and even though it is the world's best-selling book, yet rarely read. And so sitting in the households of millions of families lies the truth, God's word, but few there be that read it. And moving to our court of law in the scriptures which we have just read, we think about the trial of Jesus. And the question that Pilate asked Jesus is, what is truth? Indeed, what is truth? And what is the dictionary meaning? Well, of course, it is the opposite of lies. It is the opposite of false. It is genuine, factual, honest, reliable, faithful and accurate. All scripture, every single page, every word is the word of God. So turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I did say that I would refer to this this afternoon. And here we are, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And verse 16. Just to prove that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And then again, First Peter chapter 1. And there we read in verse 20, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world was manifest in these last times for you. <coughs> Whom, sorry, Who by him believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith may and hope might be strong. 
And these are two passages, I think I've read the wrong one there, I think it's the, the one that the, God's work was not written by man, but was written by God. God inspired man to write the scriptures. Now these are two passages that tell us that the book is not based on man's thoughts, but men were moved by the Holy Spirit, that is the word of God. Holy men of God were inspired. And the words in the Bible are the words of God, the words of truth. It is not man's thoughts. Therefore, when you pick up this wonderful book, you're handling the words of God. He is speaking to you out of these pages, which was made possible through the perfect life of one man, Jesus, the Son of God. Now, it is written in Titus that Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. God cannot lie. He does not lie. And he is not pleased when man tells lies. And man thinks he can maybe hide things, but he can't hide anything from God. For he sees all and hears all. But God has made promises, and he will keep them and fulfil them. And it is a, there's a passage of scripture which says that God is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness. When I was a child, I quite often asked my mother, how do you know you have the truth? It's a question maybe we do get asked from time to time. How do we know we have the truth? Well, the Bible is the word of God, and we let it speak to us. We don't put any private interpretation on scriptures, as many, many people would do. There's no point in trying to twist scriptures to suit our needs. Let scriptures speak to you. Be open. There's a danger when the scripture is misinterpreted. And the truth can become distorted. And so we say that the word of God has to be read with an open mind. And to let these words speak to you. Read them prayerfully and be persuaded by them. I always wonder to remember a story that a woman who read the Gospels for the very first time. And when she came to the sacrifice of Christ she was in tears. She let the scriptures speak to her. But going now to the trial of Jesus, we find him being falsely accused of perverting the nation and making himself a king. And they could not find any witnesses to testify against him. But eventually, as we read in the record, that the chief priests managed to find two false witnesses, which was contrary to the teachings of the law. For in the law it is said that if any false witnesses arose, they would find themselves standing before the Lord, the priests and the judges. But now they were so removed from even pre upholding the law here. They were that desperate to be rid of Jesus. They had to find people who were prepared to lie for them. And ultimately they did. But Jesus knew that he would be die at the hands of men, sinners and liars. And they put this man, Jesus, who was the truth, to death. Jesus did say, I am 
the way, the truth and the life. Jesus spake the Father. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. He was the Son of God displaying the same characteristics of his Father. And like his Father spake the truth. And never once did he lie. If he had lied once, his sacrifice would have been no use to anyone. Jesus lived a great life, a life without sin. So Pilate could, could not find any fault in this man. Let's turn to that reading which we had in John chapter 18. We find here that Pilate just couldn't find any fault in Jesus. But the people were desirous to let Barabbas be released. John 18 verse 37. Pilate therefore said unto Jesus, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find no fault in him. But you have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will you therefore I release unto you the king of the Jews? But they cried, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. And there was the question Pilate asked, What is truth? But he never waited for an answer. He walked out and waited to speak to the Jews. Now previously, Jesus had said that he had come to bear witness of the truth. He spake the truth. For one day he will be king. And God's kingdom will be set up here on this earth when he returns. And anyone who listens to his word and believes in him will have the truth, will accept the truth, will accept the scriptures as they speak to them. Knowing full well what God has promised will come to pass. And this is a question that has caused great discussions among many, many who are ready to denounce the Bible, rather than take time to see whether in fact the Bible is the truth. Pilate never waited for an answer. Had the question been asked in all sincerity, Pilate would have heard the answer, but the question was asked in contempt. And so had he waited, he might have learned what the truth was. For there before him was the source of truth. He was the light of the world. But unfortunately mankind today is just like that, not ready to search for the truth. There may be few here and there, but they're too wrapped up in their own busy lives today. And they will never find it if they do not look at the scriptures. And so how highly we should prize the Bible, the word of God, the truth. But what can the truth do for us? John chapter 8. <clears throat> John chapter 8. In verse 31. <clears throat> verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. 
me answered to him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be free? Jesus said, The truth shall make you free. How can that be possible? Well, the truth can release you from the bondage of sin, from its evil practices. The condition of a sinner is being captive or a slave to sin, and only ends in eternal death. Now here was Jesus sent by God to call all sinners unto repentance, and to release them from that hold that sin had over man. And so this was quite a remarkable statement to make. We were never, in verse 33, we were never in bondage to any man. But they were in bondage in Egypt for over 400 years. And God released them from, through this, his servant Moses from that bondage, brought them through the Red Sea and destroyed their taskmasters in that sea. And so they were made free from slavery. But they were not free from the bondage of sin. For animal sacrifices had to be made continually to take away their sins. But it was a pointer to the time that Jesus would come, who would be a willing and perfect sacrifice that could remove sin once and for all. But to follow the truth requires commitment and a necessary course of action to begin that change of life in believing in Jesus. Repentance of your sins and being baptised into Christ, coming through the waters of baptism, beginning a new life, not serving sin, but serving Jesus. And so in Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 8, I think we could turn there, we find great contrast between those things of this world and those who live in Christ. There is a marked difference and outlook for both parties. One is really bad and one really good. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. <clears throat> there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so we go on. But when a person dies, who does not fall after Christ will remain in his grave forevermore. That is his portion given to him, because he continued to serve sin. Sin was their master, and sin became their downfall. Forget about going to heaven, that is not what scripture teaches. And if any man tell you otherwise, it is a lie, and it is not the truth. The scriptures does not teach that. But to live after the flesh is what comes naturally to man, pleasing himself without effort, just making his way through life, until he reaches the time when death sends him to the grave forevermore. Not a very nice prospect, but that is the way of man. 
but to live after the spirit, that is, the things that Christ taught, the truth, does not come naturally. We have to work hard at changing the path that we were once on, making an effort to live a new and a better life in Christ. And so changes do need to take place. No longer being bounded by the law of sin, we are made free in Christ. Yes, we die and go to the grave, but it is only a temporary resting place as we wait in Christ to return to this earth and to raise us up out of the grave who had changed the ways, who had followed after Christ. And as we see in the world today, the way things are going, a time of fear and a time of greed and a time of inhumanity, a world full of gods and monsters, there's so much evil in this world today. It is heralding the time of Christ's return. The world is crying out for change, for peace, for justice, for equality, and it will come. But God has promised it, and that's the truth. And so we all have an opportunity to be a part of that great plan of purpose in the end of days. So meanwhile we are asked to walk and follow in the footsteps of our Master, to focus on his teachings and in God's truth. And the scriptures should become a one and only influence in this life. But we have to be continually on our guard lest we let natural desires creep in. But these should lessen as we continue to fill our lives with God's word each day, being instant in prayer, and most importantly, acknowledging God's word in our lives, in our speech, in our actions, in our attitudes. And so the Apostle Paul wrote in this letter to the Corinthians, let a man examine himself, and again, examine yourselves, whether he be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know, he not your, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. And so it is necessary that those in Christ should continually examine themselves to see that they are indeed being faithful, that they are indeed being following God's word, letting the word of God exercise our minds eliminating the deeds of the flesh, smoothing out the rough edges. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. <coughs> Galatians chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 17. For the flesh lusteth out against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh... And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, and so on. But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. 
And so there is a continual war that we could have, the flesh against the spirit. But if we do those things, the live after the fruits of the spirit, we will find contentedness. I don't know if there's such a word, I think so. But that is, that is all there is to do. <laughs> I wish it was as easy as that. If the world lived after the fruits of the Spirit, it would be a far better place to live in. Unfortunately, it won't happen. Not until Christ comes. But living in a world with the deeds of evil men, it's not easy to keep yourself separate. But God has called us to walk faithfully and not be influenced by the ways of this world. For their end is coming, and our life is coming. That's a nice thought. The world is like a border in the garden. We set up a lovely border of pleasant flowers. But of course, if we neglect them, then the weeds the wheat appear. And unless we eradicate them, they will take over. And all that hard work will be to no avail. And that is what life is like in the truth, eradicating those things which are not good in the eyes of the Lord, so that we may attain to the beauty of holiness, that he may look down upon us and see, and he sees that things that are good. The truth will lead us to contentment, without worldly ambitions, giving glory to God in what we say and do with a pure heart. It can make us free from sin. And the truth will give us strength to fight the good fight with all our might. Teach us to live peaceably with all men and to have self-control. Yeah, the truth of the scriptures helps us to see beyond the doom and the gloom that we see around us day after day. But we are assured of God's word. We are assured of its truth. That God will intervene in the affairs of man when he will send his son Jesus to set up his everlasting kingdom here on this earth. The future is bright. There is great joy ahead. <clears throat> and we can be involved in that new era to live unto God now. Yes, indeed, li yes, indeed living with Christ will be a joyful one. And it is coming, with even greater joy awaiting the faithful beyond the grave. And so let us search the scriptures daily. These are the words of truth. There is no lies in them. Search the scriptures daily. It is the truth. But let us finish with some well-known words once again. Again from Second Timothy chapter 3. Which... <coughs> which should help us to focus on what really matters. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13. <clears throat> but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, <clears throat> deceive and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God 
and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Thank you.